0: episode are we up to? I
1: want to say 12, but I might be wrong.
0: 12, yeah, 12. Welcome everyone to episode 12 of the Creative Coding Podcast with me, Seb Liedelard. Me, Ian Lobb. How are you doing, Ian? Um, I'm good, actually, man. I'm really good. How are you? Yeah, I'm alright. I'm sort of struggling a bit now I'm back in England. Struggling? Well, I, it's like, you know with jet lag, it's kind of, well for me at least, it's alright for a couple of days because you're totally knackered, and then like a week later you suddenly find yourself at 4am not being able to sleep. Sure. So that's happened a couple of times this week. Um, and, but I have to say though, the weather here is just perfect, because of mm-hmm. course we have to talk about the weather. Oh absolutely. Momentarily. But you know when I left New York it was like 100 degrees Fahrenheit which don't ask me to translate that into centigrade. I've got no idea. Isn't
1: that weird? It's like while you're there you have to live in a parallel universe where you don't know what temperature it is.
0: Yeah that's true. Um, But here it's like just it's really nice. It's really comfortable. Mm. England's awesome in the summer.
1: It is. I mean we've it's been a bit grey here for the last couple of weeks but just the last few days it's been really amazing.
0: Yeah, so that's enough of a weather update. Um, yep. We've got loads of other things happened, right? I mean, it's just been crazy.
1: Um, yeah. Do you mean do you mean big big things or small things 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 happening to us
0: or things happening in the kind of wider um, world? Well, I'm I'm primarily talking just about things that happen to us, <laughs> because of course <laughs> the universe revolves around us, right? <laughs> right. Sure. <laughs> Um, well, we got nominated for a Net Magazine Award. Yay!
1: Yeah, Ooh. we're super chuffed about that. So
0: normally, when we, I, normally when I'm nominated for one of those things, I've I've like nominated myself, but I didn't sure. this time. Did you nominate us? I
1: did ask on Twitter for people to nominate uh, us.
0: Oh, well, that's still cool though.
1: That is still cool. They because it was still went through a judging process to get to the top ten. Cool. And then, so yeah, we really would love everyone to go and vote for us if you've got the time.
0: We're, we're not going to win, though, are we? Huh? I don't feel No, wrong. it'd be
1: nice to be in the top three, though, so that we get to go along to the um, the party.
0: Well, I get to go anyway, because I'm oh, a judge. Oh, of
1: course you do, you're a judge. Okay, well, it'd be nice if I got to go to the party. So <laughs> unless you want Sev to get one over on me, um, you need to vote for us.
0: But in that list, there are, like, proper podcasts with, like, production values and that stuff. That is true, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, we are a bit of a underdog. We'll put a link, by the way, on the... It's creativecodingpodcast.com. dot Go there. <laughs> And there'll be a link to vote
0: for us. Yeah, cool. I always forget to say the links. Yeah.
1: And also, we also forget to tell people to subscribe in iTunes. If you're not subscribed in iTunes, go and do that. It's easy. And if you're someone who subscribes but never visits the website, you can go and go there and creativecodingpodcast.com
0: and you can think, find more info. Yeah, it's cool. You'll find all the links and well, actually that's all you'll find. But that's yeah. cool. Oh, you can leave comments as well. Oh yeah, comments. We love comments. We have no idea whether you're listening or not, so <laughs>
1: <laughs> So what
0: you what think, else has been happening? I, I spoke at Gotham.js in New York, JavaScript conference. And what did you or did you present it on? You know, same old stuff. Particles. 3d you know that kind of thing sure. someone said i was like bob ross Who's apparently that? for for the english listeners apparently that's like america's version of tony hart <laughs> <laughs> okay how strange it amused them so that was good um and then i did the d2w conference right in kansas city which actually i, I had a lot of fun
1: at. and is that another javascript thing
0: no, it's um, well, it's run by Dee Sadler, who's like one of the Adobe community professionals. Right. So there tend to be a lot of Adobe people there, right? And, and sort of other ACPs and, and all that kind of thing. But it's it's not focused on any one technology. It's um, it's just all about designer developer workflow. Sure. And that's did a, the really third member of um, the Creative Coding podcast back there, didn't she? Sorry, the third member. Yeah, Val. Oh, Val. <laughs>
1: 'Cause yes. we've never actually thanked her on the air. We need to thank her. She all designed the,
0: all our cool
1: stuffs. Yeah. The webs the lovely, beautiful website and the logo and everything she did. So
0: Yeah, yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, she spoke she did a great talk actually, all about like CSS stuff. She knows her CSS stuff. It's cool. And um I did a presentation that was entirely made up, which is quite fun and scary. I've done it a couple of times now where I just stand and talk with my Twitter feed in the background. <laughs> right but i had this um we'll save this for another podcast but i had like i i, I had a little mini rant about adobe
1: no because we'll never do it if we, if you save it for another one you oh, must have no, well but just get it's it going to
0: it's a whole episode Ian.
1: no it's not Go on I it's can't. not
0: well I sort of chickened out a little bit because there were like about five people who actually worked at Adobe, then. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which is always a little bit unnerving. Plus, I also ran out of time. So it was like a five minute rant. But basically, I sort of thought it would be a bit like, you know, in the Monty Python life of Brian, when John Cleese right. is saying, well, what have the Romans ever done for us? <laughs> right. So I was kind of like, I should have done it. I totally should have done it like that. But I was basically saying that I'm just a bit kind of not very interested in what Adobe have been doing lately. Sure. And and kind of giving a few examples of where I think they've kind of done things a bit wrong. Or I mean, the
1: thing that we talk about quite a lot is the fact that they don't have any three D tooling at all, even though they're going three D with Flash.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of this. That's kind of the core real, realization here is that there and there are loads and loads of details as well, right? But as and as programmers, we always get caught up in the details. But if you just take a step back for a moment, I, I guess we're talking about um, Flash Player and Molehill, the new Stage Three D you know, the new 3D hardware accelerated stuff in Flash Player. And the thing that struck me was that, you know, of course, uh, well, you know, Flash Pro doesn't actually do anything to make that content. Um, And I don't know of any public plans that Adobe have to, to create 3D content in the new Flash Player. Maybe they're yep. doing something behind the scenes, but I certainly haven't had any wind of it. And of course, Unity 3D will target Flash Player's molehill, which I think will be brilliant, right? Really yep. easy to work with. But isn't that weird when like Adobe are meant to be like, when they make all their money out of tools, and yet the people that make the best tool for their Flash Player isn't Adobe? Do
1: you know what I find really strange about Adobe as well, is that so little of adobe's business seems to be actually to do with flash yeah like they've got so many products but yet the emphasis is always on flash for example when you know steve jobs says something about flash like and the adobe share price goes down yeah it's like what does it matter because flash player doesn't make a lot of money for adobe
0: yeah well that's that's the critical realization that i had is that you know the flash player costs them a lot of money to keep going and they don't really make any money out of it, you know, and Mm. so I just don't really see what motivation they've got to carry on with it.
1: Well, but they will though, because I think they like the fact of they own this huge audience.
0: It's it's like as more important priorities come, they're just going to focus on it less and less and it's just going to get a little bit neglected.
1: I don't think that's true. I think there's maybe a conservatism in the people who run the Flash IDE to be bold and add new things into it. Yeah, so they're not like, adding
0: new stuff into the Flash Pro. They,
1: I mean, they add in a couple of token features each time, basically, to the Flash IDE. Yeah. And if you compare, like, how much the Flash player has changed since, um, say, the last 10 years, and then you look at how much the Flash IDE has changed, the Flash IDE is almost identical.
0: Well, Flash IDE just seems ridiculous to me. Like, their new feature in CS 5.5 is autosave, you know, it's like, seriously, it's like 2011, and you're telling me that this product that's probably what, I don't know, what is it? I get confused with CS 5.5, but it's like probably version 10 or something like that. Version 10 software finally introduces autosave. You know, what the hell? Mm. What's going on? Yeah, it's, it's like, am I supposed to be excited about that? It should have been in like um, a Flash MX 2004 or whatever it sure. was. Um, yeah, sorry. Stuff like that. It really bugs it, me. Yeah.
1: I mean, the thing is, it's like if they'd innovated with every iteration of Flash, of the Flash IDE and added in more animation features, more, you know, more design like features, from the new it could Flash be a really player. amazing animation and design package now.
0: Yeah, but, and they haven't really touched any of the Bezier curve tools or anything. In fact, they've just introduced, like, cubic Beziers in the new Flash Player.
1: Oh, no, but that's in the Player. I mean, the not in the IDE, yeah. The pen tool did get fixed in CS3 or 4.
0: Well, I don't know. It feels to me like some pretty neglected software to me, and mm. and I sort of get it because I don't think they're really selling it. If if Flash was a product by itself, still, which I guess can you still even buy it by itself? But yeah, they course. don't really market it on its own. Pretty sure that everyone who buys it is part of like Creative Suite bundle, and as long as it's sort of bunched in with that, then they don't really have much motivation to improve it by itself.
1: Mm. I think that's I think that is the problem with Creative Suite is that because so much of the market buy that there isn't maybe that much pressure for them to look at the products individually.
0: And I think the Flash Player is, is even more or so, you know, because, I mean, let's say that Flash Pro gets neglected because it's one part of CS5 or whatever we're up to. Then, I mean, the Flash Player itself, I mean, that doesn't make any money, despite Adobe's best efforts at dark patterns to try and get you to install horrible security software and stuff. Oh, sure. They're still oh, that not case, making any money Well, out in that of the case, does, they do
1: make money out of it, don't they? Because they, they
0: get money from that. It's, it's, it's minimal. It's like time amounts is compared to there's this whole thing that adobe are doing which is all like enterprise stuff right which for starters i don't really care about it's not really why i got into flash at all it's not what really excites me but okay no if they're gonna do that that's fine why don't you do it okay why not improve the text rendering engine in flash player which they haven't they've just got that horrible tlf which is an action script library it's just like shouldn't that be in the player shouldn't that be somehow tied more into the systems text rendering mm. I don't know. Well, I think Lizla, I could carry on for about two days with this stuff. So, but I guess the the main realization I had was that as long as Flash Player isn't really making them any money, I think that they're going to find it harder and harder to justify its maintenance. You know, already you're seeing that start to happen with little things like quietly dropping GPU support in Linux. You know, stopping I, the. Air. I don't
1: know. I'm am less I'm less skeptical than you are about everything. I, I think that, mm-hmm. you know, the whole reason Adobe bought. Um, macromedia was to get flash flash is a really important part of kind of the identity of adobe
0: yeah but it's just becoming less and less relevant it would take quite a serious um investment to make sure that it could compete with all the new technologies coming out
1: i don't know i i don't know i'm I'm less i'm less skeptical than you are i I mean i don't think i don't
0: think we're at that stage right now but i just you know but i think we're getting close to that stage i think Mm -hmm. and in the next couple of years i think it's going to change quite dramatically but anyway, don't get me started. I could Let's let's do <laughs> <laughs> We should probably do a, a podcast about this stuff. Um I think there's there's an awful lot of quite interesting details that we could I mean, yeah. Chat about for would ages. would there be
1: anyone at Adobe willing to actually talk about this stuff or not, do you think?
0: Well, I mean, it was quite Skype funny in. because um at my presentation I was sort of like I was saying to people that this is kind of my impression, this sort of just kind of feeling that Adobe is sort of losing it a bit. And I don't really have all the facts or all the evidence necessarily to back that up. I'm in this sort of stage where I'm fact finding. So I was like, tell me, you know, tell me what they're doing that are good. I, I might have missed it. So why not let us know? If you think that there's something that Adobe are doing that is really good, then let let us know. Send us a comment. It'd be good to be a little bit reassured on the the security of their future. Um
1: I mean but does it matter though? As a developer, it's just like, you know, technologies rise and fall.
0: Yeah. I mean you I know. guess it only matters when you know, the only real reason I I feel a responsibility to kind of point this stuff out is not just to be annoying. <laughs> Um, although that is part of it. No, yeah, I think no, a I, Actually, it, I hate being that guy. Do you know what I mean? I hate being that guy. You don't. Guy. No, you I really do. I find it really stressful. You don't. No, I actually find it really well, stressful. Well,
1: why, why do it then? Why not just keep your mouth shut?
0: Well, because I sort of feel like there are still people out there who are just so vehemently loyal to Adobe that it's kind of stopping them. Like, for example, at, at D2W, there was one of the speakers and he had an iPad. Right. And he told me that there are people coming up to him saying, how could he buy an iPad and you know as if it was like somehow really disloyal to Adobe (laughs) you know it's just so it's when I see stuff like that you know that
1: you can target the iPad from flash cs5.5
0: yeah but it's still Apple isn't it it's it's Adobe's sworn enemy so if you're in a a, a, quote Adobe person then how can you possibly get an iPad there's no
1: Adobe people don't we
0: well well, yeah it seems ridiculous to you and I right but the fact is that there there were people at that conference who'd consider it disloyal to buy an iPad (laughs) <laughs> Which is that's just,
1: true i think i find that very strange
0: i know it's really strange but i see it all the time you know this kind of real narrow-mindedness so that's that's why i feel a responsibility to kind of you know call it out a little bit or just talk about it yeah
1: but i mean just for the sake of balance though i'd also like to point out the fact that the the exact opposite phenomenon exists of people saying things about flash that are not true
0: yeah that's and true as well. Like, but you know what? I'll you know, call them out as well. So basically, I'm just quite annoying to everyone. Mm. Um, you know, in fact, I did that at the, the Gotham JS. I was chatting to one of the other speakers, and um, we were talking about Canvas performance and how it's kind of quite slow and pretty disappointing in a lot of platforms. That's getting better. I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. But I was basically, he was saying, but talking about Canvas, he was saying, well, that's as fast as software vector rendering can ever get. And I was like, well, the Flash Player renders vectors faster than that. Honestly, I, I might, his reaction, I might as well have punched him in the face. or like, <laughs> You know, it was just like a look of absolute shock. And, it, and he was all flustered and was like, yeah, but there's loads of overhead in having the flash player in the browser. I'm like, well, not really, not for most things. You know, I basically annoy everyone, so I wouldn't worry about it, Ian. That's pretty good. I'm causing trouble wherever yeah. I go.
1: Well, that is what happens if you speak the truth, isn't it, Seb?
0: <laughs> well, there are very few people that that do <laughs> genuinely know a lot about the different things that are going on. And of course, I don't know everything, but I do try and at least find out about mm. stuff before I opine on it. Yeah. Um, but the, the interesting, just because there's some interesting stuff happening in Canvas, Um we're starting to see performance improvements everywhere. And in iOS 5, they've actually got hardware-accelerated canvas, and I tried it on Paolo Fiera's iPad 2, a friend of mine, and it's really fast. Cool. On the iPad 2, the new hardware-accelerated canvas is pretty impressive. And um, I run the bunny benchmark on it, and it was running like about... You know, it was running pretty comfortably. How many How many bunnies? I don't know, however many there are in the Canvas test that right. I've got. So oh, it's okay. like it's 2000, 2,000 maybe? I don't know. But all of my Canvas stuff that I tested on it worked really well. So it's, that's improving. Plus I think IE9, of course, has hardware accelerated Canvas and it seems to be coming into more desktop browsers as well. So I think Canvas is going to get a lot faster very quickly.
1: Yeah, that's good news. Will, I, will iOS 5 be available on my 3GS or not?
0: I've no idea. I don't know how gonna, back Because I know go. they
1: unsupport platforms quite quickly at, at Apple, so...
0: I would have thought it would probably go back to the 3GS because that's actually a really fast phone and in a lot of ways it's faster than the iPhone 4 because it's got, a, you know, a quarter of the screen resolution. If you're looking at pixels, sure, yeah. numbers, pixel count. Yeah, that's
1: true. Speaking of Canvas and whatnot, you've launched a new website, haven't you?
0: Yes, I'm glad you noticed, Ian. <laughs> Creativejs.com, it was the, the launch yesterday at 4 o'clock GMT. It was quite funny, actually, you had this crazy, like, WebGL Tron-like countdown clock. Did you see it? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, and um, but the most amusing thing was, like, I spent a couple of hours just adding this feature where when it got to zero, the numbers kind of disappeared out and the camera yeah, kind I of saw moved. It. Did you see it? Yeah. And so it was like, I suddenly panicked at the last minute that I was creating such a huge build-up for just what is essentially a blog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially when... Yeah. Um, Driving about 10,000 users to the same web page at exactly the same time. <laughs> it's not that great. And, and our website just. Who are you, ho- who are you hosted with? Oh, of course, it's Media Temple, who upgraded my database. But still, um, I think a good proportion of people went through that big build up, flying through the logo, forwarded to a page which said, in Times Roman, error establishing a data connection. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> so it's like so it never has so much build up been for so little but no it's it's actually yeah, that been that
1: is yeah not necessarily the best idea like the whole idea of a soft launch like we launch these episodes like quite softly yeah In that you know it goes on itunes at one point and we tweet it at one point and we blog it at another point and so not everyone gets
0: it all at the same exact moment i've never really launched a site which had that many people hit it once i i didn't really i was completely um Prepared
2: no. for. <laughs> but I mean,
1: a, a site should be able to handle, say, 10,000 connections, right? You'd
0: think, right? I've been kind of pretty disappointed with Media Temple and I really want to change, but just the thought of migrating all my sites is just really scary. Plus, you know, going to another provider that will probably have just as many issues with, if not yeah. more, or different well, types of That's issues. why
1: I'm stuck on GoDaddy because yeah. I'm obviously not impressed with, like, the guy shooting that elephant, etc. Yeah. But it's like, I'm. St- it does work, and my stuff is all on there. There's absolutely no way I can actually just like move my stuff off there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They've got yeah. they've completely got me. I know. <laughs> got like six different websites running off there or something.
0: Yeah, I mean, even if I was to get like a dedicated virtual from Media Temple, I'd still have to migrate it all. It'd be such a nightmare. Anyway, um, just to finish up with Creative JS, I mean, I was kind of seeing all these cool JavaScript links, you know, and it's all the sort of stuff that I teach in my training, plus, you know, fun experiments, WebGL stuff. And there wasn't really any home for that kind of thing. So, you know, I see things like HTML5 Doctor and stuff like that, which is much more, which is a great site, by the way, but much more sort of all things html5 where i just wanted mm. to focus on the on the more creative side so i got a small team of people together including rob hawks paul neve um hakeem l i don't know how to say his surname it's a bit embarrassing i'll just edit this bit out later uh lisa larson kelly and of course our friend val head who's been struggling with the wordpress templates all night right thanks val <laughs> um yeah so it's it's just we're just going to post up interesting stuff that we find news that's kind of relating to this kind of technology um and we're also going to be posting the tutorial as well so yeah it should be fun check it out creativejs.com cool i think that probably covers it that's quite a lot of stuff that we've been doing and what have you been doing anything your secret um, game that you're secret not allowed to game, talk
1: about still that's that was in two parts part one is finished now thank heavens and just going on to part two and the, which will be my last bit of client work for at least one year so wow. I'm very excited about finishing that and then being an indie. And um, I'm doing. Uh, I'm going to be teaching from September. Brilliant. It looks like. Yeah, I'm that's going to be cool. teaching um, one day a week at uh, university. Uh huh. And teaching web technologies and Flash. So it's cool. That is and cool. And I'm coming on your course.
0: Oh yeah. When's that? August.
1: Yeah. It's quite soon, isn't it? Yeah, that's
0: it's really cool. In like cool. two weeks
1: or something. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that.
0: Ticket. Yeah. It's so nice what? to be back in Brighton again. And um, I'm about to do some, some more courses as well, actually. I'm just trying to sort out the dates now.
1: Well, Oh, there was an interesting story in the news the other day about the uh, um, Unity 3D having another round of funding. Oh, yeah. So they had another, like, $10 million or something like that. Uh-huh. And this values the company at, what was, was it, $200 million or $100 million or something? I'm not sure. It's on G+. Yeah. I... Oh, we haven't talked about G+, as well, Google+. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not really our area because that's more general it's web not stuff. Not really, but... is it? But you it'd know, be interesting. I don't know. It's one to keep an eye on, I think, yeah. to see whether it can,
0: you know, supplant Twitter or not. I guess the good thing about it is that you can you can decide who sees your post. So you can instead of like needing a personal and a private account for Twitter, you can just decide which of your friends see it, which is quite nice.
1: Mm. Although I, I haven't actually posted anything that isn't public yet. Me neither. You <laughs> know, I'm either being my public persona. Or I'm not putting things on the internet, Does wow. that makes sense. You have a public persona. Well, sure, yeah. The bits of you that you, you know, you present to, like, the world. Yeah. I'd never post, like, pictures of my kids and stuff, like, sure. on Twitter, on Facebook, anywhere. Yeah. It
0: just like, you know. Can I just have a little rant about people who use a picture of their kid for their own icon? <laughs> yeah. I hate that. <laughs> oh, man, that drives me mental. It's like, I don't know who you are sure you've got a cute kid whatever yeah I'm really impressed with your procreation skills but I don't need to see that (laughs) I want a picture of you or a picture of you and your kid if you must you know that's cool Mm. but I don't just want a big baby face it's like what sorry
1: yeah I think people need to don't know separate their concerns a bit right
0: well you know there's nothing wrong with being proud of your kid but just not in a way that confuses me yeah I don't have kids anyway so I don't have that switch in my brain switched you know that switch when you have kids? Yeah, yeah. You, is is it worked on you? Yeah, well,
1: it's like if I see a photo of someone's kid now, I'm like, oh, that's someone's kid. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. before, you just go, what that's a kid. <laughs> what? What? <of> it?
0: what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I've seen them before. I was one.
0: End of. Um. So. So should we? We've got a couple of interviews today. Excellent. We've got um, Casey Reese. The other member, the other founder of Processing, you know, we had uh, Ben Fry last week. Sure. We've also got Marius Watts, software artist. From, uh, he's Norwegian, He's based in Britain. I got to know him pretty well while I was in New York. He's a really nice guy, and his work's pretty amazing. So, um, yeah, these are both interviews from IO Festival. So, shall we play them?
3: Yeah, let's have a listen.
0: Right, so, <laughs> I asked Casey what he'd been up to recently.
3: Interesting question. Right now, I'm entirely focused on Processing. Um, I do a lot of different kinds of work, and I I work intensely on each piece for a fixed period of time. Like last week, we had a three-day Processing 2.0 development session in New York, and we all got really fired up to to get things going. Um, And then being here at I.O. just added fuel to that fire. So getting the 2.0 release out, and then also um, doing a second edition of our our programming handbook um, to support the new software features, but also to adjust for the changing field, and also what I've learned about um, sort of what order and, like, where to put emphasis on in, in teaching.
0: Sure. So, I mean, there's a lot of new, exciting stuff coming in 2.0. What are the, the biggest new features as far as you're concerned?
3: Yeah, the biggest new features are taking the know, the most used, um, we feel, the um, energy from some of the contributed libraries. So it's a normal chain in processing for libraries to then sort of merge into the core of the software. So it's, it's all based on the development of Andres Colubri, and it's OpenGL and also video. So being able to play multiple HD videos live and filter them without dropping a frame, also um, almost like 10 times the, the speed in doing 3D rendered graphics uh, using shape recording. It's
0: finally getting closer to the sort of speeds of the native C++ libraries right now.
3: Exactly. I think now so much of the graphics work is happening on the GPU that the um, slightly slower processing of Java is, is not um, pulling the work down. And, and,
0: and there's also um, big things, I'm guessing, with the Android and JavaScript targeting.
3: Yeah, the other major focus for 2.0 is adding modes to the environment. So Android for Processing and processing JS have been around for a while, but they've been separate downloads, not as seamlessly integrated. So now they're entirely in the environment. You just basically switch modes. And the same piece of code that you were running as an application um, now is running in the browser as, as Canvas or WebGL. Or you can just export it directly to the phone. It's really seamless and easy, and we hope that really encourages designers to explore in these new areas. Yeah, sure.
0: So you, um, you, you're part of the processing. It's just you and Ben primarily, isn't it, on the actual development team? And... You, you also teach at UCLA, but also you do your own art work. I mean, how do you find the time to fit that in? Is it difficult?
3: I just work very hard, long <laughs> hours. Um, and, you know, um, being, being a professor at UCLA is, is, a, is a wonderful job because you can, you can balance things quite well. And sort of a part of that job is, is doing this research and this creative professional work. and That really feeds the teaching and vice versa.
0: Do you consider yourself an artist?
3: I do absolutely. And, uh, I talked to Marius Watts,
0: uh, and he's pretty much entirely embedded in the art world. Whereas other people like you and Golan and and Zach also have this sort of academic side. So,
3: I mean, we're not doing the stereotypical um, kind of artwork. We're really trying to, um, I mean, to imagine other things and push at the boundaries. Mm. I think when when we talk about art we talk about the art world we're talking about a lot of micro communities and sort of the larger contemporary art world with a capital a is a very sort of closed focused community i think it's far more interesting to um expand beyond that it seems
0: like this sort of work kind of expands into many different areas and including um engineering and software and hardware as well And, and it feels like almost we're just kind of slipping into the art world as well and kind of making interesting changes there too right
3: yeah, I think also people are coming, doing similar work, but coming into the art world from from different points of view. Like some people are kind of merging into the art world from media arts, which was formerly kind of like a subdomain. But also people graduating with MFAs from sort of the, the top traditional art schools are working with electronics and software now. So I think it's, it's coming together and it's a slow, long process. I think really things started to tip around 2000 with a few exhibitions. Um, And gradually, um, I think what's more exciting than a gallery that only shows media art or software is a gallery that has a a wide program where they have someone who's a painter, a photographer and someone working in software. I think that's the future I'm excited about.
0: Yeah, sure. Did you start off more as an artist or as a programmer?
3: Well, I think I started off first as as an artist, but then I formally trained as a designer um, in college. But, you know, that was 20 years ago. Uh, and I've been sort of finding my way through to, to where I am now through that entire time. I mean, I went to graduate school at MIT, and that was probably the most formative experience um, in sort of learning how to work with technical materials, but always in the service of, of my sort of visual aesthetics.
0: And, and how did you start programming? What was that initial thing that just got you starting to work with code?
3: I teach a lot of young people how to program, and so I've seen over the years that some people just take to it like a fish in water Other people had the capability, but they kind of struggled through it. Um, I was the type that I had the capability, but I had to struggle through it. Um, Visual media is my native uh, sort of land, not um, formal logical systems. And so it was just a matter of, um, over years, developing the motivation and just pushing through it. I mean, really my primary motivation in making processing was to make the programming language that I wanted to learn now that I had those skills. But
0: what did you learn first?
3: Oh, um... Well, as a, as a child, people in my generation we dabbled in Logo and Basic, um, dabbled a little bit in Lingo, but never seriously. Um, and then when I really started to learn properly, it was C. Okay. A really common first right. language. I mean, through evening classes at New York University. Yeah.
0: But it was always with that visual endpoint in mind.
3: Exactly. I it, I it I was very slow going while I was taking these classes, where everything's about calculating numbers. Um, which is kind of what formal computer science education is. But then as soon as I was able to uh, take that and move it into um, animation and, and images, which happened outside the class because they, of course, don't teach those kinds of things, um, I learned extremely quickly. And actually, it was being in the community at the Aesthetics and Computation Group with Ben and Golan, uh, Jared Schiffman, Elise Co., Nikita Pachenkov, that sort of in that community, my skills just grew very, very quickly. Yeah, sure.
0: So tell me a bit about the work that you talked about yesterday in your presentation.
3: Well, I showed um, a project that I did for the previous six years called um, Process-Based Works, which now ended as the Process Compendium. It's got a set of 15 prints that, that archive those images. And it's about um, writing these images. Um, basic minimal instructions to, to make these small machines with behaviors that then produce these sort of unexpectedly organic images. Yeah well, it's,
0: it's great stuff it seems like there's going to be another presentation so we better wrap it up. just wanted to say thank you I really appreciate you taking the time talking to us. Yeah, absolutely thanks very much. There you go what do you think? Excellent um, yeah uh, he said
1: that um, you're going to be able to publish to the browser now from Processing. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, do you know? I think, do you know how that works?
0: Yeah, you can just like you know in, in Processing. I don't know if you've ever used it, but you just um, actually I've hit, used it once. but... Yeah, you hit like the play button and it compiles it and opens a, a Java window with mm-hmm. it running. So if you're working in Processing now, there's like a JavaScript mode, and if you hit run, then it just opens it in a browser.
1: Right, straight and it, from and the IDE. It, it cross compiles your your Processing stuff to JavaScript.
0: Yeah, although, I mean, I'm not entirely sure how it works, but I think that actually your processing script is identical. I think that the JavaScript itself kind of just makes the little tweaks that it needs to, to make it run in JavaScript. I, yeah. might, I might be in ignorance corner a little bit here, but as far as I know, you know, there's no sort of compilation process for processing.js. I think it can pretty much just run your sketches as they are.
1: Sure, but I mean, it's converting them, right?
0: I don't think so.
1: Well, I mean, it's not valid JavaScript, is it? No, processing. but I think the JavaScript
0: so... library does that that process of adapting that that code to work in processing. At least I think that's how it works. I don't think there's any kind of um, compile.
1: Oh, so you think that the JavaScript at runtime like re- re- reads the essentially reads the processing script and no, that can't be right, can it?
0: Yeah, I think that's I'm sure what there will be a compilation stage. Well, what happens if you're using um, Java libraries in your? Well, of course, you can't use Java libraries in if you're working in JavaScript. That just doesn't work at all. I did a solo show but, earlier this year. Um, sorry. <laughs> 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 that was just the next interview being Wait queued your turn. up. Wait, you said? Yeah, Marius, hang on. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so obviously you can't use all like the, the normal processing plugins that you can. Um, right. But a lot of people are slowly converting those or some of them into JavaScript, like uh, lips has just been converted to JavaScript. So yeah, there's a great demo script.
1: page for that as well. We should put that on the yeah,
0: yeah, we should definitely do that. On the
1: thing, it's so funny. It remind it's so much like the early Flash days.
0: Yeah, like the
1: projects are all identical. It's like mm-hmm. it's like the last ten years never happened in a way.
0: Well, there are there are some new things, and I you know it's quite funny when I'll, I'll post like a WebGL example, and everyone's like, "Yeah, I saw that in 2001." It's just happening. It's like, hang on a second, we had software. 3d and flash in like like a decent software 3d <laughs> and flash in like flash player 9 right which was what 08 09 something like three years or two years ago or something and everyone's like yeah i've seen it all before it's like okay whatever but you know to be no, honest no. but
1: come on though
0: i mean all the flash stuff at the time had been done in other technologies i think the new thing for flash had it had it though, had it though? Yeah, yeah, I was doing a lot of these techniques on the Amiga in the 90s, yeah, you know, guess and, and a lot of the techniques that we were doing then had been played around with, with the 8-bit machines in the 80s, and a lot of those techniques were, were come out of theories and concepts that had been come up with before computers were readily available, you know, and sometimes you find these amazing generative algorithms and they go right back to like the 40s or 30s, and you're like, yeah, how did they no, even true. know that would work? Yeah, or they yeah. plot it with a pen or something, you know. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So it's all—it's all just the same old stuff recycled. But you know, I guess that's what happens. If—if if, I mean, I guess there's that—the fact that mm. it's in a browser. You know, we're getting further and further away from native code. You know, we started off in native code, and then we got yeah. the Flash plugin, and now we're—we're we're doing that stuff without a plugin. You know, we're getting. To the stage where this stuff is possible in a, yeah. in, a in an interpreted language mm. within a, a standard HTML browser.
1: Mm. And what's interesting is is kind of at the same time as JavaScript's popularity is growing, so are different ways of getting to the browser without using JavaScript.
0: Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs>
1: well, processing being one. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, you know, GWT being another, Django being another. Yeah,
0: sure. You That's know, a good lots point. Lots
1: of people are building kind of layers to that go on top of it.
0: And it would be interesting to see if any of those kind of become, uh, you know, the dominating library in the, in the same way that sort of jQuery rose above all these other framework libraries. It would be interesting to see if if one of those becomes dominant.
1: Sure. I think I think they'll always be about making cross platform things. Yeah. Right. And if you're only targeting a browser, I'm sure JavaScript would always be the kind of main way of doing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think you're probably right, at least for the sort of foreseeable future. Uh, the The other thing about Casey, I mean Casey's like a really really nice guy he's very uh he's very laid back and, um and his compendium works is just really cool. In fact, there's a video on Vimeo. I think we linked to it last week, but it's just really cool to see how these very simple rules um make some pretty sophisticated looking art. so it's quite inspiring in that way because anyone could sort of program that those things or at least with a little bit of guidance. Or once you learn a couple of core concepts, you can do that yourself. And yet to see the kind of quality of what comes out at the end, I don't know, really inspiring. Check it out.
1: Next interview.
0: Yeah, let's listen to Marius. So again, I just asked Marius, well, this was again at the IO Festival and um, I dragged him out of the bar on the last day <laughs> into the street Um and to just find out what, what he'd been working on.
2: I did a solo show earlier this year, so I have had a new body of work that uh-huh. I've been doing, and it's uh, it's pretty interesting and kind of scary because it's like more, much more physical pieces. Sure. So I have an upcoming show in San Francisco in like two weeks, and it's uh, I'll be doing some of those pieces. I'll be doing a, a tape drawing, which is really, oh, yeah. really good because, I mean... A lot of my work is about kind of graphic surfaces, but it's not really necessarily like about the screen anymore. Yeah. I'm not really... The screen is, is nice and, you know, the RGB 16.7 million colors is all very lush. But in, a, in an exhibition context, it's sometimes a, a drawback. It, it sort of holds you back and it doesn't have the same physical presence if it has to be mediated through a projection or yeah. a screen. So, So like projecting structures on the wall and drawing it out with like really bright like orange and black tape yeah. is like very satisfying
0: so you just get uh, i've seen the work so it's sort of like wireframe shapes yes. right and yeah you, is that how you do it? you project them on the wall and then just cover them in tape
2: you basically do that <laughs> yeah and i have even a, like a program so like it's saved as a you know it's like the data so i can pull it up because you know invariably you turn it off and like go to lunch or whatever yeah and you can step through the shapes Yeah. so like so you don't have to like figure it out like all on your own the literally the well, uh, well, the depth sorting is not. I, I'm actually like I'm embracing the fact that like that is not depth sorted. Okay. Like so sometimes like you can totally see like uh, from a wireframe point of view, it's definitely not in the correct order, uh-huh. because you see it with you know because it's literally layers of tape. Uh, but I actually like it. I like okay. the distortion that it gives, and I also like to do things like put the projector like at a you know weird angle so that it's so that it gets distorted as it goes along and uh, and you accept it as a graphic surface but then um, if you come back and you and you look at it from the sort of the projector's actual projection point you see that it resolves in a totally different way but it's but I'm not into like creating an illusion the way that uh, you know some artists have been doing but but it's still a lot of fun
0: yeah cool and and you've been doing other physical stuff as well like with the the makeup thought
2: right <laughs> yeah the makeup bot is a lot of fun because the, the I, I i did some stuff with 3d printing and it was it was interesting and like it definitely put me on the, the sort of this thread of like realizing that actually when i create a 3d shape to be shown on the screen is actually seen as a as a 2d surface and it's the the projection onto that 2d surface that that makes it good or bad um, but then when <laughs> when i do it in real life then it's the sculptural qualities and the actual spatial qualities of the form yeah. that, that come to the forefront but at the same time like say you know uh, laser sintering you know like the, the classic white 3D printed object okay so it has arbitrary complexity it's like you can do amazing things with it but it's a little sterile yeah. uh, and the make about actually just cuts through that completely it 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 like makes no attempt at sort of being precious and it's you know it's playful and it's like the bright colors Um, it's accessible too right there's a whole community of people playing with it now true but it but i mean it's still not being used a lot to make you know proper art objects right so so that's that's really quite interesting so i'm going to do a you know a a piece where i'm actually exploiting the serial quality of, of the using al- an algorithm so instead of like okay. making three pieces that are very carefully selected I'll hopefully make like 10 or 15 or, or 25 yeah. where you see that like actually it's the algorithm that's that's important and like the individual piece is just like literally instances of the same thing
0: yeah so you're, you're still using processing though right I, use pro-
2: I, I, I don't know like I, I've sometimes think like oh I should like, do one piece in Cinder just so I can say that it's not all just in processing but I'm uh, but, I, but yes it's all in processing yeah, yeah. Uh, but you've, you have worked in, in C++ before uh, actually, never in C. No. I've worked in C. Yeah, but uh, it's close to fifteen years ago now. Yeah,
0: me too. <laughs> I'm just coming back to C now. It's a bit of a, but, a rude uh, awakening,
2: right? But it's uh, so. I recently I was asked by uh, Aaron Barthol to to do a piece for his speed show concept, which is you know exhibitions in uh, in internet cafes which is a really, really fun format and is totally irreverent and, like, doesn't have anything to do with the gallery context, which is actually quite nice. So I I revived, like, a, a processing sketch that I'd done for a show in 2003 and literally just, po- like, pasted it into JS, Right. And it ran. And it just ran. And it just ran, ran. Like, and it was amazing. And it actually looked really good. It's amazing and, work being done in that area now. Right? Oh, absolutely. And it's, and it's interesting because that's not, it's not like that's really a focus of mine, but I do, it did make me remember, like, the, the nice immediacy of seeing something on the web and, like, yeah. actually the web as a, you know, the end medium, which is completely different. I mean... Yeah.
0: I mean, in a way, that's what was so exciting about the Flash community was that there were people doing this creative work and could so easily share it, right? Yeah. And now that's coming back with with this creative JavaScript. Oh, and absolutely. Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. I mean, then it. But then it comes. Um, the downside is like, I get emails from like wedding websites saying like, can I, Oh, it's really lovely. Can I put it at the bottom, bottom like of, you know, in a header? And I'm like, I've actually not really answered those emails because I really don't know what to do. About yeah. it." And, but the obvious thing is just like, okay, attach some kind of, of license to it. So like, well, you know, at least I can go and, and say like, no, take it off your site. Yeah. Uh, because it's not, I don't mind. Um, people ask if like, why don't you share your code? and, and I actually share my code for a lot of the tools that I build or like yeah. sort of creative processes that I realize, like, okay, I did this. It's not the best way of doing it, but uh, I'm sure someone else will need to do it as well. So I've published you know, certain libraries or whatever. Like I did one for the Makeup Art recently. Um, well, but but at the same time, I don't share uh, code for finished pieces because it's actually not very interesting. It's, yeah. You know, The best thing that can happen is that someone learns how to do something, mm. but the worst thing that happens is that they just like adjust the parameters slightly and do something something which essentially is not yours and it's not theirs and it's really, what is that?
0: Yeah, I was talking to Casey about this earlier because his actual core code is actually quite simple, isn't it? But it's those subtleties and how you render things and the the process that is kind of makes the art, right? As opposed to those. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Because I I would say that uh, with most code-based artwork, it's not really about the virtuosity of the code. Yeah. It's because uh, a lot of the time the the ideas are really quite simple, but it's about uh, the artistic eye. You know, like recognizing that this is good and that's crap and. And just realizing that you know okay so it's interesting now but if I modulate it with these parameters and I like apply this kind of color shading on it and like some kind of rendering style then it becomes a piece and to me there is always a moment in my work where I see something which is an interesting sketch Resolve into a total work, right. and, I, and 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 sometimes it's really early on. It's it's I'm, I'll, I'll totally be happy to like own a piece if I just do a quick sketch or like, and it's really buggy and the bug you know introduces some like interesting quality, and I'll just be like, that's a piece. Yeah. And like, I, I think the work of the of, of the art is, of, is often to recognize when something has a quality that that makes it distinguished from just being a sketch. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah.
0: So you started as a designer is that right so how did you start Uh, coding
2: no actually okay so first of all i started coding when i was 11 years old you know like the classic sort of you know microcomputer thing but um no i was actually never really a designer it was strange because i was working with designers and uh and i was immersed in the design world but I actually, it, for a long time, I, I you know, I realized that actually I'm not a designer. If you ask me to, like, create a complete, like, website with, like, logos and everything, I'm actually crap at that. <laughs> like, I'm really not very good at it. Right. Uh, but what I am is, like, I'm making these things that are mine and that I know how to do and they're interesting. Mm. But it just took me a long time to realize, like, actually, clients are just sort of an excuse to make work and they're <laughs> kind of in the w- way of these things anyway. Because, yeah. yeah, I'm always, I was, you know, trying to fit things into projects where, really it wasn't the client work that was interesting at all so so to me taking the step and saying like actually no this is an art practice and uh and i don't want to have to justify it ever and i don't ever want to have to deal with, you know, can you make it more blue? <laughs> yeah, of course.
0: I yeah. mean, there are a lot of people
2: here at the conference, a lot of
0: speakers that were either, you know, uh, at least partly involved in the academic world right. or or the business world or commercial projects. But I mean, I, it seems like you're one of the few is just just literally now an artist, part well, of that I, art world.
2: Well true okay so I, uh, that's okay so first of all there is the, the step of like saying that you're a full-time artist yeah. it's, it's a quite big one and, yeah. it, and it's a very risky one and it's not something that I would advise people to do really? necessarily because it's because uh, being an artist can be a really great job but it can also be a really sucky job it's because you know if you ever want to have kids and own a house that's uh, <laughs> really not what I would have would advise but at the same time um And also, it's just like thinking about your work in terms of a practice is often, you know, it's complex, and it's not, it's not what most people actually do with their work. But at the same time, uh, I still do commercial commissions. Mm -hmm. But the commercial commissions is to do work that's already within my practice. And in some cases, I'll actually own those pieces as artworks later, and say like, well, actually, you know, uh, in a slightly different version, this I would exhibit this. But in other cases, I'll say like, well. This is, uh, you know, it's not so interesting as, as art for me, but I don't mind doing it in a commercial context and, and you know, standing by yeah. it. But I, I guess
0: w- that's a slightly different thing, though, where instead of a client coming to you and you working for them, it was more like they saw something that you did that they liked and wanted to utilize, right? Which is a totally True. different relationship.
2: It is a, di- it, yes, it, it is a very different relationship. And, and a lot of people that I know in the, the sort of the mainstream art world uh, would have been completely un- unable to work with that. But yeah. because of my background in, Dealing with with design, etc. Uh, it, it, I can deal with clients, and, and I know where to sort of put my foot down and where to be flexible, yeah. uh, and you know when to say no to a contract or when to say <laughs> yes. Uh, but also, but also like still be able to. Have an integrity where I know that, like, okay, this is work that I do for in this context, and this is totally different. And actually, my commercial work, which increase, you know, typically is about my kind of colorful, you know, very much, you know, uh, graphic work. Yeah. Um, it's pushed actually the the work that I exhibit in galleries, etc., in a slightly different direction. I see. So it's so, it, and that's it's not a conscious move so much, yeah. but it's just it's just kind of happened. And like some of the work that I'm like that I'm exhibiting now wouldn't be so attractive to, to, you know, advertising people or whatever, because it really looks like what more people like can, you know, uh, traditionally think of as art or, or just something that's too abstract or strange. Um, and I'm not, and I'm not aiming to please anyone particularly. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you
0: know. Yeah. Do you, do you find that the art world understands your process or your work? How much of your time is taken with explaining the, the ideas behind what you're doing?
2: Well, okay, so in the art world, you're re- often, often rewarded for simply saying, like, well, this is what I do, and, yeah. like, not explaining it to a certain <laughs> extent. Actually, if you explain it, then sometimes it's seen as kind of compensating or, you know, like, well, if you need to explain it, then you obviously don't believe in it yourself. Uh, and I kind of I subscribe that to that to a certain extent. Uh, and also, I I don't want to have to explain everything to people when they see it. If they see it and they don't understand it and they have no experience of it, the work has failed anyway it wouldn't help if i explain it but there is also the aspect of uh having work that that stands on its own and uh but at the same time if they if they have the added context then that that you know definitely does help but it's but for the art world to sort of recognize what you're doing it does help if you can at least align yourself with some ideas from you know art history or whatever and like one of the things that i did at the conference in my talk was to try to sort of position the work that's being done with a lot of things that's been done for a long time in, in you know the art world from you know minimalism to abstract art etc.
0: Yeah yeah so I guess it's kind of speaking to them in their language a little bit, right.
2: That and also, but also uh, just owning it because actually, a lot of people who come from you know a a kind of a hybrid background where either they're totally self taught, like me, or you're you know you've done design works but you've realized that actually what you're interested in doing is way too strange to to fit that, and actually, you're much more interested in kind of an art art practice. Um, You a lot of people who are self taught feel uncomfortable with saying, like, well, it's like this or that because. you don't want to sound pretentious it's it's actually like for a lot of people it's just a a big step to even say that you're an artist yeah I think it's
0: it's, it's something you mentioned in your talk was that you couldn't really sketch or draw very much is that and, and so I guess you're probably one of the first artists that is purely working in this digital realm right with no Experience of this kind of more practical art making.
2: Well, I, uh, okay, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that like no. I'm one of the first at all because no. that's a very dangerous thing to say okay. in any any situation. But it's, uh, it's the
0: first one I've encountered, which is altogether a different thing.
2: <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's completely different. the first
0: one I've encountered that admits it. <laughs>
2: Well, okay, so I, I admit it and I also explain it as like, okay, so my process is not uh, developed that way. I don't first sketch on paper or first, you know, uh, build something and then say that like, okay, that's a model and this is an interesting idea. Now go- I'm going to go and code it. Instead, my process is one very much of, of discovering through code, yeah, yeah. Which, which is then also a totally different practice. And it's not that, you know, oh, that I can't draw, but it's just more that um, that I'm not so concerned with it and I've yeah. never done it. so. Yeah. This is my process, and this is what I do. So yeah. you know, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell anyone who sketches that, like, oh, but isn't that a little, you know, lame? And yeah, you know. it's just a entirely totally different medium. <laughs> yeah, it? it's just yeah. completely different.
0: And and so, do you remember that time when you crossed that threshold and you suddenly felt comfortable calling yourself an artist?
2: Yeah, it was very literally when when that's what I did all the time. <laughs> uh, and it, it and it okay. So coming from from Norway, where like. Uh, the art world is very much ac- driven by the academies and where there's, a, there's kind of a distinction where like people who come out of the academy background, well, like they will say like well I'm an artist but you're like you're a craftsperson and you know and that's a negative thing in their in their view um, and actually I didn't want to be associated with with a lot of those people but actually I just realized that well but hang on why beat around the bush you're that's what you do when you get up in the morning
0: yeah yeah of course and so just to finish off um what did you enjoy about the festival was there anyone in
2: particular that you thought was really inspiring Uh, I thought a lot of stuff was really inspiring. I mean, it's really nice to see, uh, okay, the visualization work uh, being placed in a context and understood and and referred to by a lot of different people thinking about it in different ways. I mean, from... You know, really, really lush work like Aaron Coblenz or, or Nick Nick Felton's, uh, and then, but then, like you know, the final panel on like data and uh, and social justice, which is a very kind of heavy and serious topic. To me, all all of that is, is part of the same thing, and it's not what I do, but uh, and and I don't really. That's not my goal, but I'm very interested in it, and I really follow that whole yeah. world.
0: Great, thank yep. you so much for talking to us. Cheers. All right.
2: Cheers. <laughs> all right. Wow, I really want to
0: um, see the work
1: now. Oh, okay. It's well, it's hard to kind got... of imagine, picture some of the things he's talking about.
0: Yeah, like the tape things. This where he sticks the tape mm. to the walls. It's pretty What's cool. His it? What's his website? What's his website? dot net. which is U N L E rnet K E R dot net. Yeah, it's lovely. I really like the the stuff he he does with tape as well, because that's I don't know, just somehow really pleasing and. and um, I know that he was—he had a residency at MakerBot as well, and they just get to make cool plastic stuff. His solo show is in San Francisco at the Super Frog Gallery until August the 17th.
1: Yeah, he's got some really pretty um, things.
0: <laughs> so I think we need to come back to our regular feature.
1: Are we doing that? <laughs> well, it's,
0: we have to, don't we? Okay, it's a regular got, feature. Yeah, that's
1: true. Do Maybe we the, can just
0: squeeze one in. Do you have the sound sample? I, I don't have it. I lost it. We had someone do us a really cool jingle um, and tweeted it to us, but I never thought of saving it anywhere. If you got it?
1: <laughs> so I'll, I'll, love, it. I'll, ask, I'll ask on Twitter, I'm sure. You know,
0: I'll dig it out, and I'm going to insert insert it in. There were two, though, weren't there? There was one that was all echoey, and there was one like a robot voice. So which one should I the do? The echoey one was best. All right, here's the echoey one. Things, Things that, that Ian has, has learned. learned. I think I actually prefer the robot one here. Here's the robot one.
2: Things that Ian has learned.
0: There you go. We'll just we'll just cut it in later. Yeah, cut we'll it fine. in
1: later. Right. Sorry, PowerPoint's still opening, right?
0: Okay. We we we're running out of time, so perhaps we can just have one thing that you learned this week.
1: I think they kind of go in. They go in sets, though, don't they? Really? Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the we ended last time with people want to do meaningful work. Yeah, But this time, the next one was, you can pay overtime in pizza. Now, this is the slide that I'm the least happy with out of all my slides, because it kind of suggests that I'm condoning paying overtime in pizza, which I'm not. Yeah. What I'm kind of saying is that if you kind of want your staff to do overtime, the least you can do is supply them some pizza.
0: Yeah, because, I think that's a really good point.
1: Yeah, it's, you know... If you want to have a culture where you expect your staff to kind of go over and above the call of duty, then you should create a nice environment for them to be in and give them reasons that they want to be there. Yeah. Although one place I worked, people would go, oh, I'm working late just so they could hang around until like half past seven when the pizzas came and then they'd (laughs) eat their pizza and then go home. (laughs) which is slightly tricky
0: so people Cheeky, subverted so. the system is that what, what you're was saying?
1: funny as well is um, <laughs> one of my old bosses actually said to me like oh you know you can you can get you can get pizzas um you know if you're if you're working late but you know don't don't, don't like make a habit of it because like whatever will go out of business or whatever will, like cost them too much money but it's like that is so <laughs> ridiculous it's like Let's, you know, ask your staff to do loads of, um, you know, hundreds of pounds worth of
0: overpaid, unpaid overtime. Thousands. Oh, if you, yeah. If you add up over a year, thousands. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, we can't afford the tenner for a pizza. <laughs> yeah. But, but you, you see that all the time, though, don't you? <laughs> you really do. It's like, come yeah. on, business owners. What is wrong with you? Sort it out. Yeah.
1: There's no point in nickel and diming yeah. stuff is there.
0: I mean, you hear about companies like Google spending... Spending millions on like decent food, right? Mm. I mean, that's got to have an impact on the productivity of your staff. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think that that actually would be a good investment. Don't you think? I, I highly doubt it makes people more productive,
1: but it probably does keep people in the
0: job a bit. Someone I know was working at Google in London and um, they were all, they basically all stopped for lunch just ate several different types of meat and then they were just like in a food coma <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in yeah. the afternoon they just got nothing done yeah so yeah, yeah I've, I've been
1: there as well <laughs> yeah okay and then there's one that relates to this which is um don't go home while your minions are still working so yeah. if you're like a business owner or a manager don't expect your staff to do loads of you know unpaid overtime if you're also not doing it
0: yeah, and you see that quite a lot as well, don't you? Yeah,
1: you do see that all the time.
0: What's I mean, wrong? come on, business owners, what's wrong with you? But it's not
1: just business owners. I I think it applies to project managers and account managers as well. Yeah, like they a lot of the time they tend to be real nine to fivers, and they're yeah. happy to let the developers like you know slave away until the middle of the night to meet deadlines. Yeah, deadlines ultimately, which they are the ones that have control
0: over. You know the other thing like about this kind of working extra hours and I saw this report and I'll try and dig it out if I can I you know with these things you see them on the internet and then lose them forever but there was a study that showed that um for every like extra hour you get your staff to work you lose more than that in productivity while sure. they're recovering from that burst mm-hmm. of extra of, of heavy workload. Sure. You know, so it's kind of like a debt that you build up, right? That you have to pay back.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure about that, really. That that certainly when I was 24, that wasn't true. Like, <laughs> you know, I could I could work until like 2 a.m. and still yeah. come in at 10 the next day and carry on. But now, yeah, I think that I would have more of a more of a like jet lag etc from the late nights and what not
0: yeah well now you're getting so old Ian. Well,
1: yeah no but i mean it, you know I'm not, I'm not really that old but when but, you're
0: 23 um, you can do anything you can you, do right? anything
1: yeah exactly you know you don't even really need sleep
0: so <laughs> We sound like grumpy old men now. That's No, not at
1: all. But it's like, you know, I'm just as productive now as I was when I was 23. I'm just... Because I'm better. Yeah. I'm better at programming. I make... You know, I I
0: don't think I was ever any good at staying up really late and not getting any sleep, even when I was 23. Oh, really? I I don't think so. I just think I was probably more enthusiastic about doing it. It is that thing. It's (laughs) like once you get
1: to, say, one o'clock, every line of code is taking you 10 minutes. Like, you're having to just think so much harder about everything.
0: Yeah, I definitely think there's a point where it stops being productive.
1: Yeah, but then some of my best things come out of marathons where you just get into the zone, right? Yeah. And you just ignore everything else and...
0: I don't know, I think my most productive times just come randomly or when I've just suddenly managed to figure out how to do something in the most perfectly elegant way and then I can just do it in like 10 minutes. Sure. You know, it seems like I spend like days and days thinking about stuff and then... It's like if I get it right in my head, I can code it really quickly. But that so rarely happens that inevitably I'll just be staring at the screen doing rubbish mm. all the time.
1: Yeah. The nice thing about doing your own stuff like, you know, I'm going to be doing next year or uh-huh. starting very soon, starting in about two weeks, um, is you can, make this, you can make more strategic decisions. Like yeah. say on a client project, there's a requirement that it has to have, um, like I did again, that had to have like a working traffic system. Yeah. Right, where the oh. cars had to wait in lanes and, you know, kind of conform to this particular, the rules of the road. Yeah. Whereas it, and it was a massive undertaking to kind of get it all working.
0: Yeah, of course it is. That and, sounds crazy. And,
1: yeah, right. But if you were doing the same game on your own, you might make a more strategic decision like, well, I'm just going to have the cars move only up and down. I'm going to, you, know, you, know, you know, only yeah. up and down the road, say. And yeah. not actually find their way around the city, and it yeah, would course. kind of look alright. Or just have them like... go
0: along preset paths. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's... But it'll so. Take so like... did that extra feature? Did it make the game any better?
1: Well, I mean, that was for like an e-learning game, so it's not. Yeah. It wasn't really a cr- creative decision. It was a kind of learning goals decision. I see. So that's maybe not the best example, but <laughs> I guess there's.
0: It, I mean, if my client asked me to do something stupid like that, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Or do you want me to finish the game on time? <laughs>
1: sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, there, there are certain things, I guess I'm saying. I'm trying not to talk about the project that I'm working on now. That's why I'm it's maybe not giving project. the best examples. Yeah. But there are things where, you know, this was in the brief, say, or in the spec or the, whatever you, the pitch that you first did, and you yeah. have to do it then. But it's like if you're working on your own stuff, you can just do whatever's whatever you think will be quick, or yeah, and you know you're not so regimented to like jump through hoops, and if you think that you know you can throw out a feature that won't be interesting and it'll save you two days, you just throw it out and you just focus on like the 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 quick the easy wins or whatever
0: yeah yeah, well, we'd better wrap it up right yeah. we've uh, I've got to go anyway, so yeah, me too. um yeah any what's coming up anything we've done anything that. anything to plug, we've done all that yeah. All right, well, I guess we've got nothing else to say then. Cool. Vote for us. Oh, yes. (laughs) We're not going to win.
1: Yeah. I'm not interested. I just want to go to the thing. I I, I know you're going anyway, so you
0: don't care. I'm more likely to go if we're nominated. (laughs) Oh, I see. Okay. It was quite good fun last year. Yeah, come on, nominate us. Why not? Let's go have a party. Right. Thanks everyone for listening See you soon, bye